Hello and welcome to this week's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name is Trudy Smith and I'm the manager of Continuing Professional Education and your host for today. And I'm so delighted to have Donna Sauerberger with us today. She's one of the keynotes at the Orientation and Mobility Association of Australia's Symposium, OMMA. Donna, can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Sure, sure. I've... <laughs> I hate to say it, but I've been teaching orientation mobility to people who are blind or deaf blind for more than 50 years. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that, but, uh, and loving it. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm still learning. Um, well, of course, with the pandemic, <laughs> we're learning all kinds of new things, but um, just last the summer that was the first time that I've been teaching other orientation mobility specialists. And again, you start thinking about what you're doing. And so I, I continue to learn. And so I, I suppose that's true for most professions, but I just, I love it because I, it's a, it's always challenging. You're always growing. So. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, and I think right now we're all learning exponentially based on our reactions. And I'm, I'm curious about what your impressions have been to the responses by the orientation mobility profession to the, the pandemic and, and everything that has meant for our lives. Well, actually, <laughs> I have been intrigued with the, the fact that people have so much trouble dealing with anything new. It's scary. And, and I'll just digress for a minute, if you don't mind, um, that about, well, it's been about 32 years now that um, a couple of friends of mine, blind friends, were killed crossing a street. And they were doing pretty much what we taught them to do. <laughs> and yet, so I started thinking about how that could have been avoided, how we should be teaching. And it evolved in a year or so to thinking kind of basically, we have to turn around the way we've been teaching. And you'd think, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I will digress a little bit and say, you know, I had been teaching 20 years about then. And pretty much a practitioner, I still am. I consider myself primarily a pr practitioner. And I figured that I would bring this to the attention of them and, and, you know, they would say, oh, thank you for bringing this to our attention, that there's this problem. And they would shut the doors and go talk to themselves and figure it out and open the doors and say, all right, Donna and everybody, here's how you now need to teach so that this doesn't happen again. That never happened. And so um, I, um, I was working with a, a young deaf student, um, who had been losing her vision. And um, anyway, long story, she wanted to know if she could be able to cross this street independently. And I just freaked because it was the same street where my friends were killed. It was 10 miles away, but it was still the same street. And so you, you know how you just, you're, your just stomach just go. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that panic and fear response. Yes. And, and, and so I told her the story about the, the, the husband and wife who'd been killed. And she said, oh, the sweethearts, they died. And she started to cry. And I, I said, yes. And, and, you know, when I said, I've been thinking about how it could have been done, would you like to try it? And it, until then, I would never have even tried it. And she said, oh, yes, she was willing to try it. And she understood that this was something new. And so, um, and it was very gratifying because in about half an hour, she was very, very skilled at telling whether the, the, the oncoming traffic was 
allowing her enough time to cross. And she didn't at first. Anyway, so I started um, thinking about how to change this. And again, you'd think, <laughs> hey, I've got a solution. I've got something that seems to work. And um, it was just people were scared. I remember um, I finally went to, a, you know, to do a presentation. It was my very first presentation. And I was so new at it. They said, send us a bio. Well, you know what that means, right? A little something of, you know, what you do. Two to three lines thought, and yeah, your whole career yes, in two or three yes, lines. Yes. <laughs> I, thought, I would thought it was being, you know, to decide if I was going to be a speaker. So I sent them my resume. And when it said, you know, that I had taken some classes. And so they said, oh, and they're introducing me in front of the, everybody. And they said, I'm so impressed with all these classes you took. Classes that you gave. I said, Oh no, those are the ones that I passed. That's, that's, <laughs> it's my <laughs> academic transcript, not what I thought. <laughs> that's, that's right. So you know, I was so naive, but I I went and, and did some presentations, and again, hoped that 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 would get them to tell us what to do. Um, and as I said, when they didn't, then I started going on the circuit myself with here's some ideas, here's how it works, here's and whatever. And again. People just, they were scared. Some of them, almost every workshop I did, the big question was, well, what about liability? What if I, I'm teaching something that's not in the textbooks? So what about liability? I, thought, well, I don't know, but what about if you don't, what if you, what if you teach them the way that the, my friends were killed? Anyway, so I understand how hard it is to, to take new ideas. And I take comfort in the fact that every profession, and I can tell you, it's got diddles of stories of how, well, Louis Pasteur, hello, you know, what yes. was it after it was proven? Was it like 20 or 30 years before people started actually pasteurizing the milk? I mean, children were dying, mm. but a new, it, it just happens in everywhere. Yep. So I've been a student of why is that, you know, what and what can be done to change it? Um, so anyway, so when the pandemic came and suddenly we, you know, this always one to one, always person to person that we're teaching. And suddenly I'm in my bedroom where you know, you're in yours. <laughs> and now we're going to teach you these skills that there's only one way to do it. And that's this way. And so that's one of the things that I, I just mentioned earlier is so gratifying because I just learned so much and I found out you can do all kinds of really cool things yep. <laughs> from your own bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so um, now there's a position paper that's coming out and I took a look at the first draft and it's about 12 pages, which, you know, you read through all this and at the very end, the second to last paragraph, it says, and we all should remember that remote teaching is not best practice. Excuse me. That's yeah. so interesting because there's so much research that actually argues that. Really? Okay. Well, I would love to hear about that because, um, and, and there are people on the other end of the spectrum that are saying, yes, let's, let's rise to this occasion. Mm. And, you know, there's so much to it that I, it, I am now able to go back in person. It was, it was very exciting because I was teaching. I have, I should bring it, show it to you. My six foot pole. I have a six foot pole. I don't know what that would be in, in kilometers or whatever you guys have. In, 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 in meters. meters. I don't know. Two yes. Meters. It's a two meter pull. And, um, and so I would have to teach with a mask on with my client on the other end of the six of the two meter pull. So it was so nice to be back in person. 
But I'm finding that some of the things I was doing during the pandemic, because I had to, are actually very effective. And I'm going to be continuing to do them. And so I don't know what best practice is, but anyway, the whole idea of taking on something new and opening up your mind and thinking about how effective it can be is really worthwhile. And I do understand that, you know, there's a lot of concern about people that are about situation, about doing it in a way that's not safe, that does not provide for safety, provide for um, effective learning, you know, so anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but so, so there's been a wide range of, of reactions to the absolutely. The pandemic. I, I, I have the perspective that I think remote learning um, actually builds the capacity of the person on the other end of the screen. We have to get better at explaining what we're teaching and, and demonstrating that and actually allowing people, whether it's they've got somebody learning with them or independently, but I feel like it's we're actually in giving them the, the, the tools to work it out for themselves with, with, with us supporting them from the side. So it's a bigger coaching role, wow. I think. Wow, how fascinating. Ha. Yeah, it does make you kind of, well, that's what I was doing when I was teaching people to teach. I think, well, how do I teach? Well, you know, let yeah. me think about that for a minute and put, and put like you said, into, into uh, Yeah, uh, I think it takes it. the control away from us and it, it enables us to be better coaches from the side. We can't just reach in and move their hand or their body. We have to, 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 to help them. And I think by having them work it out for themselves, we're actually giving them the skills to work it out for themselves. Is my perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lots wow. to think about it. But, but when we think about the orientation mobility profession, you do have a history of responding to change during times of crisis. Well, if you think about it, the idea of using a cane was new hmm. and not a given. I, I, I was on the archives committee for a number of years. And so for a fundraiser, uh, there was a skit that was made by uh, Warren Bledsoe, uh, Russ Williams, I forget who else, some of, the, some of the very pioneers. And they were trying to convince their colleagues that this cane technique and using a cane in, at, at all even um, was a good thing. And so we reenacted this skit that they, they played a recording that they made in one of their kitchens and uh, they brought it to the conference and, and played this skit. And then afterwards they had uh, uh, um, Richard Hoover was there and I forget who else that was there. Father Carroll was there to, to show people the, the cane technique because they, they'd heard about it. A lot of them were, the, the decision makers were blind and didn't really know what, what was all this about. But the skit was that Russ Williams is meeting, you know, walking to the train and he's standing on the train platform and uh, he meets another blind person. Hey, Charlie, you know, well, you know, you're blind. Yes, I'm blind too. And they talk about the cane. What do you have there? I hear something bouncing, you know, tapping. And what is that? Well, I've got a cane. Oh, I, you know, cane. What, what, who needs a cane? And um, so they discuss it. And, and, um, and at the end, well, thank you. That's really informative. And then, then the guy gets run over by the train. So, and he says, <laughs> I'm so to, to, however you say it, you know, so that was their skit but and I had forgotten about that until I was thinking about getting ready for this interview that that even the idea of teaching orientation mobility in a systematic way mm. 
um, and using a cane is 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 all new. Um, who was it? It was uh, I think it was at Perkins or something. It was like two hundred year, hundred fifty years ago, and they were saying that blind people don't need to be learned to travel. It, it just comes natural, and um, so I, I think some of the Germans were credited for being one of the first to. Uh, make a systematic teaching again everything new is it just takes time like pasture it just yeah it's not easily accepted so no yeah. and 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 because anytime I guess anytime there's change it's that I have to change what I'm doing now and I'm going to rethink my practice and learn new skills oh. to, to be better at that practice and I think that can be a real threat to professionals what do you that think? can be threatening oh I bet you're right Trudy I bet you that makes total sense you've done it it's been successful to the degree that you no, and something new comes along and like oh maybe I can retire before I need to do that you know listen you know yeah I think yeah. I think you're right yeah. and there's a lot of fear of like I said that um well if I'm going to be stepping out um you know am I going to be held liable because I'm not doing what, what is written what is considered to be best practice and you know um I'm doing a series of workshops now um, based on my mother's book on uh, for activists. And one of the chapters is build beliefs that support you. And, and in the workshop, I talk about how um, we are actually hardwired to reject <laughs> any ideas that we hate inconsistency, cognitive dissonance. We hate inconsistencies in what we believe. So we'll, we'll finally choose a belief. And then any facts that come uh, that are opposed to that, we just kind of reject them to the point where I forget, I forget how recently the research is showing that there's a backfire effect. If you come to somebody who's convinced that whatever, and you have, look, I've got this irrefutable researched facts showing that that's not true. We will, because of our I'm dislike wiring. of dissonance, mm -hmm, we will not only reject the facts and whatever as being <laughs> fake news or whatever, but it will strengthen our belief. It will strengthen our, bringing us these facts strengthens our belief. And so I'm going to give a lot of thought between now and, and the talk, because there's a lot that goes in here. You brought up one, which is just fear of change, fear of something new. It's been working before. Why the heck would you, you know, and also this cognitive dissonance of not, mm. not wanting to be in, that's something new. I don't know. That doesn't fit in here. Out, 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 out. So Donna, I cannot wait until your keynote. I, I, I'm watching you now, even just now, marinating on all of these ideas, and I can see your brain firing. And I think your keynote on the 20th of September is going to be oh. just fascinating. Thank um, so you. I cannot wait. I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed that it was early because I thought I need to get, I need to, I really want to wrap my head around this and really pull it together because um, there's so much going on in 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 why we, re, you know why this why this is the case so i'm really excited too and i'm going to um i'm hoping to make this an interactive session um where we get a lot of input from the audience and maybe send them into breakout rooms so that they can process and then come back to us so i'm hoping to make it a very not just donna lecturing like blah, 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 but but having a very interactive so that we can be pulling ideas from the the audience as well i think people can be heartened by just how you and I have been having this conversation I can see that you are someone who feeds off people around you and so we will the conference will absolutely be enabling <laughs> these discussions and these opportunities Wonderful. for interaction so wonderfully 
think about coming along on the 28th of September to the um, Orientation and Mobility Association of Australia's Symposium, the 28th of September. The registration link in the program are available on the site. Come along. Why would you not want to spend another hour with this delightful woman? So, Donna, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. I'm really looking forward to coming and seeing and working with you guys. That's Thanks great. so much.